Well, today our Advent worship series continues, which is entitled Modern Christmas Movies, as we're unpacking the gospel in film. And our featured movies include The Grinch, Home Alone, and Christmas with the Cranks. And today we experience National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and that is a prayer request. Our scripture lesson for the day comes from Luke's Gospel, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. As you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading of the gospel. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Amen. Would you please be seated? Christmas Vacation premiered in December of 1989 with Chevy Chase starring as Clark Griswold. Clark represented every well-intentioned and ill-equipped dad in America. In his world, father always knew best, and there was no need to confuse his opinion with the facts. Occasionally in error, never in doubt, and he always found the most dangerous way to accomplish a task. But at his heart, Clark had the well-being of his family. And it's now Christmas in Chicago, and the Griswolds are preparing for the holiday. And in Clark's mind, he envisions a perfect season of fun, food, festivities, family And it all begins with the search for the perfect Christmas tree. Dad, didn't they invent Christmas tree lots so people wouldn't have to drive all the way out to nowhere and waste a whole Saturday? They invented them, Russ, because people forgot how to have a fun, old-fashioned family Christmas and are satisfied with scrawny, dead, overpriced trees that have no special (sighs) meaning. My toes are numb. You see, kids, this is what our forefathers did. I can't feel my leg. They walked out into the woods, they picked out that special tree, and they cut it down with their bare hands. Mom, I can't feel my hips. Clark. Yes, honey? Audrey's frozen from the waist down. Uh, That's all part of the experience, honey. There it is. Griswold family Christmas tree. Isn't it a little big? It's not big, it's just full. Dad, that thing wouldn't fit in our yard. Not going in our yard, Russ. It's going in our living room. (sighs) Look at it. It really is beautiful, Clark. Something else, huh, Russ? Yeah, Dad. Isn't it beaut, Audrey? She'll see it later, honey. Her eyes are frozen. 
Most enduring traditions of the season are best enjoyed in the warm embrace of kith and kin. The three are the symbol of the spirit of the Grithwald family Christmas. Dad, did you bring a saw? And that was the one scene we could show in the church today. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the movie and how things go downhill from there. The Christmas tree, when they get it home, its limbs burst out of the living room windows. The house is so clad with lights it threatens to burst into flame. The in-laws are constantly bickering. A Teflon-coated sled almost sends Clark to the hospital. And if you're an animal lover, you don't want to know about the cat. But Clark keeps bouncing back like one of those old-fashioned inflatable punching bags. Every time he gets knocked down, he bounces back up because he has a secret. He has put a down payment down for a brand-new swimming pool that he will surprise his family with on Christmas morning. Construction begins in the spring. Yes, he wrote the check on an account with insufficient funds, but his Christmas bonus is coming any moment. And when it finally arrives on Christmas Eve... He discovers his boss has changed the entire company's policy, and he gets a Jelly of the Month certificate. And all of his wonderful dreams about a perfect holiday go up in smoke. Clark Griswold made a classic mistake. He focused on making everything just right. But what he discovered is that it's not things that make the season merry and bright. And if you haven't seen the movie in the last 32 years, I don't want to spoil the ending. Let's just say Clark learns a lesson and the family has a wonderful Christmas. But we can relate to the Griswolds. It's fun to watch, laugh at it on the screen, not so fun when you would experience it in person. But we too find ourselves caught up in the myth of things. We're living in the fastest-growing retail season of the year, and consumerism is one of the chief con artists of our culture. And it will steal the joy and meaning of the season faster and quicker than any identity thief. Materialism will gladly make you promises it has no intention of keeping. That bigger is better. More is best. Everything is new and improved. And if you buy this miracle product, you'll have white teeth, fresh breath, clear skin, megapixels, megabytes, faster downloads, bigger screens, happiness, meaning, and joy. And we hear that over and over again, and it seeps into our soul. And we begin to suspect, if I can just get that one thing, I'll be happy. If I can get that one Thing, my family will be satisfied. And for those of us who are adults, we aid and abet in this crime with our children and grandchildren. How often do we ask little ones during this time of the year, what do you want for Christmas? And we've all had that one thing that we've wanted. To borrow from another Christmas movie, maybe it was that Red Rider 200 shot carbon action air rifle. Or a doll, a puppy, a kitten, a piece of jewelry, a cell phone, a video game console, maybe a car sitting in the driveway with a ribbon atop. I remember on my ninth Christmas, all I wanted was a bike, but not just any bike. 
I wanted a low rider bicycle with monkey handlebars with a banana seat with tiger stripes. And if I had it, I could race the wind and win while my friends watched enviously. And December stretched on and on. It seemed as if the 25th would never come. It finally arrived. I rushed into our living room, and there beneath the tree was the bicycle. And I knew I would never, ever want anything ever again, ever. And time passed, and the new wore off. And I discovered I not only could, but I did want something else. You've had that experience as well. There's an old saying, the only difference between men and boys is the cost of their toys. I'm sure it's true for women and girls. It just doesn't rhyme. But we're physical creatures living in a human world. And it's natural for us to be entranced with things that appeal to our five senses and think that things are going to fulfill us in a Far Side cartoon, Gary Larson portrays the happiness store. And the caption underneath reads, His few friends had told him he could never buy it. But Mr. Crawley assumed they just didn't know where the store was located. We buy into that myth that if we buy something, it will make us happy. It will make us content. And we know better. We of all people gathered in church on a Sunday morning on the second Sunday of Advent, know better. But we trip and fall over this again and again. We're like Charlie Brown in the fall. When Lucy holds that football, he knows this is the time he will be successful. And he goes running up and takes his biggest swing, and he lands flat on his back. And we look backwards, Christmas has passed, and see how we've gotten caught up in materialism and consumerism, and maybe we are at the moment. And we discover those principles of consumerism, that first one is the salted peanut principle, that you can't eat one, you need another, you need another, you need another. And along with that is the law of diminishing returns, that it takes more and more to satisfy less and less And this season, because of the pandemic, we've had another phrase introduced into our lexicon, supply chain crisis. How often have you heard that on the news? That because of shipping and all the other backups, critical items will not arrive in time for Christmas. Buy early, buy a lot. And i got to confess, I was in Publix in October buying baking goods for Christmas. But if you've gotten uptight about that, when you get home, take a look around. My guess is if we had a blizzard tomorrow and we were stuck in our homes for a month, there's not a single person here that would not be okay. We just get so caught up in all the advertisements and all of the promotions that we forget. You think about all I've talked about up to this moment and then compare and contrast it to our scripture lesson today. From the gospel according to Luke, telling the story of the first nativity. And the very heart of it is simplicity itself. Luke says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. That's it. 
Oh, there are other details surrounding the birth, but that's the account itself. Have you ever thought about the fact that out of four Gospels, only two tell the story of Christmas? Matthew and Luke, and we usually homogenize their accounts together to tell the traditional story. Mark and John begin with Jesus' public ministry. Because you see, for the Gospel writers, the central events of the story were the cross and the empty tomb. It was the crucifixion and the resurrection that were the salvific acts of God. And it was only by looking backwards with the lens of the cross and the empty tomb that the events of Jesus' public ministry, of his life at 12 years of age, and his birth took on meaning and significance. And we hear the gospel that God so loved the world that God gave his son. What if we focused on that message? What if we actually implemented in our lives the same message preachers preach every December of making Christ the center of Christmas, and not only of Christmas, but of our hearts and of our souls and of our minds? What if we took seriously Jesus' words in Matthew 6, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these other things will be yours as well. Because when God is first, everything else falls into place. And when God is not first, every priority looks the same. God first in our lives might mean that the kingdom of heaven is like a young man walking through the mall, looking through the store windows, trying to find just the right gift. The riches he saw before him would have embarrassed Solomon with all of his treasures, everything conceivable and a few things unimaginable. But he was looking for that perfect gift for his wife because it was their first Christmas together. And this would set the tone for the entire marriage he knew. And he wanted to find that present that when he gave it to her, her eyes would light up, tears would fill her eyes, and she would say, oh, you shouldn't have. It was just what I've always wanted. The reality was he didn't have the best track record in gift giving. The toaster oven he gave her for their engagement gift did not go over well. That Valentine's gift of a complete fly fishing kit, complete with 100 lures you could make yourself, still unopened in the closet. And he shuddered when he remembered that he had forgotten her birthday entirely. He had the same dilemma men do everywhere. He simply did not understand what his wife wanted and needed. And so he's just wandering aimlessly through the mall. Thanksgiving had come and gone. It was mid-December. The days were counting down. And he had ran out of ideas. And so he slumped on that bench in the mall, helplessly, hopelessly, idly thinking to himself, he wondered what his, her next husband would get her for Christmas. And then he looked through a jewelry store and saw it. Out of all the other jewelry that was displayed, there was a single pearl over 15 centimeters, golden in hue, unlike the white and the ivory and the black pearls that surrounded it. It seemed to shine with a heavenly light suspended on just a gold chain and a black velvet presentation box. And he went and he looked at it, and then he looked at the price tag, which seemed to have more digits than his cell phone. 
And he weighed the Scrooge within him against the side of his wife's face. And he went inside and he called the clerk over and made his commission dreams for December come true. He maxed out every credit card, used everything in his checking account, plus the cash in his wallet, but he walked out with a gift. And Christmas morning dawned bright with promise. And he watched anxiously as she unwrapped the gift. And then there was a gasp of air. And tears filled her eyes and a smile broke her face. And she said, you shouldn't have. It's just what I never knew I always wanted. Jesus told his disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything. And then he bought it. We do live in a material world. And it's natural for us to assume the things of this world will make us content and happy. And they might satisfy for a moment, but that feeling soon passes. We make the mistake of wanting everything to be perfect when it's not things that make the season merry and bright. The world says, get. The kingdom says, give. The world says, more. The kingdom says, less. The world says, hold tight. The kingdom of God says, let go. The world says, things. The kingdom says, faith. I cannot promise you a picture-perfect courier and Ives holiday with food, fun, festivities, family, and more. But we, we focus first on God's kingdom, then everything else falls into place. And my prayer for each of you is that you will have a wondrous holiday season and a glorious Christmas vacation. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.